Alright America, my name is Ayumi Osei Frimpong. I'm filling in for a vet tonight on Breaking Brown. I'm going to tell a lurid story today and I think you're going to enjoy it because it has to do with black politics and it has to do with getting money into black people's pockets. Now be honest, if you're talking to anybody in the political sphere and they're not talking about how to get money into black people's pockets, they might not be worth your time. That is job one. That is the only job that black politics should be worried about right now. That's not the only job, actually. It should be that job, but it should also go with uh, getting money in black people's pockets, also getting our water clean, and also building black middle class that includes no hookworms in the black community. But job one is getting money into black people's pockets. Now, you see me here right now and not a vet because um, a vet is out of town. She's speaking, spreading the word, spreading the gospel of good black politics all over. She's right now in Kentucky um, speaking out of Belief Simmons College, telling people about what we need to do to get right. Because if you don't know, 61% of, <laughs> 61% of black America doesn't have any assets. It's worth nothing. 61% is worth nothing. Um, and that's a problem. That's a problem because we live in a world where other people are worth something and there's not like a, there's, we don't live in a double price system where you like, you play the black price and then you pay the white price or the ethnicity with money price. So since we all pay the same prices and they have money and we don't, that's a problem. And that's a problem for black politics because there are political reasons why we are broke. Right? There are political reasons why we are broke. We were terrorized. We were locked out of the economy. And we were locked out of seeking redress for the justice we're owed. So until we are made whole politically, we will be broke. And that's a problem. That's a problem because, as we spoke about last week, or vet um, did an entire show, like there are problems with being broke. One problem with being broke is that you can't do the deferred maintenance on wherever you live, or you can't get the deferred maintenance done by your landlord because you can't afford a lawyer, which means black people all across the South are in the middle of a hookworm epidemic. So one, wear your shoes. I got my sandals. Um, I wasn't a big shoe wearer before because uh, from California and in California, we don't have the hookworms at the same level. But now that I'm in Georgia and I've done some reading, I see that uh, hookworms are making a, a comeback and that's a problem. So wear your shoes and two, um, we need the quality of politics that will guarantee deferred maintenance, including our septic systems, are, are, are rebuilt. But Yvette did an entire show on, on, on hookworms, and I'll be honest, I was a little bit, uh, I, had, I had my worries because I didn't think it was such an attractive topic, but Yvette did an entire show, including calling on um, our, our black politicians to, to make this right. And as a result, the black congressman whose uh, district is featured in this Guardian story, the black congressman actually tweeted the next day, that uh, she's calling on Speaker Ryan to, how does that say? I'm calling on Speaker Ryan to work with Dems on an infrastructure package that addresses the crisis we are facing. So that's because The Guardian wrote a show. Yvette got, on Breaking Brown, Yvette got her people, our people, to tweet 
this representative, Congress, uh, Congressional Representative Terry Sewell, on the hookworm epidemic in um, Southern Black rural life. And the next day, Terry Sewell started to do her job. First of all, Representative Sewell, thank you for doing your job. Second of all, it shouldn't have taken a vet to get you on your job. You should just know your people. But we'll meet you where you're at. We're like the Motel 6. We'll leave the light on for you. And now that you're home, welcome home. Let's get these hookworms out of the black community. And um, let's get our people talking about our issues. All right. So thank you, Terry Sewell. Uh, thank you for all of the people who tweeted uh, Representative Sewell and got her on her job. And let me check in to see if people have filed in yet to our show. All right. We're filing in. We're filing in. Good. So right now... I need you to go and tell, I need you to go tell everyone that I'm on this channel, the Funky Academic channel, and not a Breaking, Brad, uh, Breaking Brown channel. So I'm going to go to my own, I'm going to go to my own Facebook channel and tell the world uh, that I'm here. And I expect you to go to your Facebook channel and tell the world that I am kicking it. Oh, hold on. I need to change the title to this. Uh, I need to change the title because we're not talking about markets today. We're not talking about markets today. We are going to be talking about... We're going to be talking about black politics. We're going to be talking about the construction trade and how we're going to get black people into the construction trade. Um, black jobs, politics... Uh, rezoning and your non-profits. So we're going to be talking about a lot of things tonight. We're going to be talking about black jobs. Because remember, the whole goal of this show is to build a black middle class. And if you're not doing that, then I don't know what you're doing. Because uh, until we have a black middle class, we're not going to have the quality of politics we deserve. And we're not going to have the quality of uh, economic life we deserve. And we're going to be vulnerable to the people who have the cash and will use us and will use us as means, right? And we're going to talk about that once I tell my people that I'm on. Debugger. Ah, so thank you tonight. And if you're just watching the show for the first time, go ahead and hit subscribe. Um, subscribe to this channel and hit the little bell. Or as the vet would say, go ahead and hit that little bell. Um, I'm still working on my southern accent. But um, go ahead and hit that little bell so you know when I'm on. And you don't have to doubt. Um, good. So go ahead and hit subscribe. Hit that little bell. And hold on. Do we have sound? I hear people saying no sound. No, people are good. All right. So uh, go ahead and hit subscribe. Hit that little bell to tell so you'll know always when I'm on and when I'm going. And hey, I have good news. The people want a live show. The people want a live show. They want to see us doing politics. I hooked it up. 
I hooked it up. We're doing a live show. The first show is going to be, um, we're going to be doing live politics with the studio audience on September 20th. We're going to be doing a live show. Um, bought the equipment, setting it up. Haven't quite found all the funding yet, so I need you to go to www.thefunkyacademic.com and go to uh, the right-hand panel and kick down for like, you know, a few dollars, preferably a few dollars a month because I bought the equipment but haven't quite figured out how to pay for it, but the credit card bill isn't due yet, so we'll figure it out in time, preferably within the next two weeks. I'm going to hit up some groups, but the groups I'm hitting up promise they're going to save. They're promising that they're going to pay, but they're white groups. And, and like, honestly, like white people care a lot. White groups care a lot more about white uh, black charity than they do about black political empowerment or black political protection. So I suspect they're going to pull out um, at the last minute. But the equipment's bought. We're definitely doing the show on September 20th. And... How we're going to pay for it is, it's, 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 it's an open question, but like, you know, you roll the dice sometimes. In this life, I wasn't going to let our justice be on their timetable, so I hooked up the spot. It's going to be a great spot. It's in the middle of Black Athens, and um, it's going to be with a live studio audience, and we're taking calls, and it's going to be on September 20th, Friday, 4 p.m., so block that off on your calendar right now. Breaking Brown is going to be live. Um, it's going to be called The Black Athenians. That's the show. It's going to be a Friday show um, every Friday, 4 p.m. at uh, Live Studio Audience. You'll see me and Yvette talking to the people, and we'll take some calls. We did it. We're growing. We're doing local politics. Um, like I said, bought the equipment, setting up the studio at the spot, but can't quite figure out how I'm going to pay for it. I need your help with that. Make it a lot easier if you go to thefunkyacademic.com, put it down, uh, go to the right-hand po- uh, panel, and kick down for a few dollars a month, or just kick down for a one-time donation for the studio and just, like, give us a few grand. That would be fantastic. Um, but as it stands, I'm in meetings starting Wednesday trying to, to cobble this money together from some white funders, but you know how that goes. Uh, depending on white charity to get us justice, was never how this was supposed to be done. You know how it was supposed to be done? I'm going to tell you how it was supposed to be done. It was supposed to be done with the uh, Reconstruction. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about Reconstruction. Gather around, children. We're going to talk a little bit about Reconstruction. Reconstruction um, emerged after the Civil War, and it was the federal program which put a federal garrison right here and dotted along the South, but a federal garrison was uh, put in the South and with federal troops to make sure that the black communities were not treated like slaves because I don't know how much you know about Southern America, but they like their traditions. And if they treated us like slaves in 1964, you better believe, or in 1864, you better believe in 1866, they were going to go along with their Southern way of life. So they put Union garrisons dotted along the South to make sure that black people were economically included in politically and economically included in the Southern way of life. And you know what? Would you believe the white Southerners had a problem with it? So I'm going, there aren't too many records left from the, um, from Reconstruction 
uh, from the reconstruction garrison that was based here in Athens, Georgia. But like I did my little work and I, uh, I found some documents and I'm going to read a letter from the, uh, from the officers when they were talking to each other at the bureau. Right? Um, so this is some letters from the reconstruction. Um, from the reconstruction office in, in, in Athens. These are dated 1868, October 5th, 1868. All right. Now I'm going to do my best as my white Southern voice. I'm just going to read it in my voice. But this is reconstruction. The officers talking to each other in correspondence. From Athens, Georgia, from the, um, from the Freedmen's Bureau that was based in Athens, Georgia. Here we go. Reports have come to me that both white and colored citizens are arming themselves. The whites say that the colored citizens are arming themselves to murder all of the whites at a certain times not particularly specified. This, as they pretend, has caused them to arm themselves for self-defense. On the other hand, the colored citizens contend that they are desirous of living in peace with the white people and attend to their daily work. That large bodies of armed white citizens are roving through the district of Newtown and Harmony Grove, now Commerce, in Jackson County, halting and hailing every colored man they see and compelling them with threats of violence and drawn weapons upon them to make them sign certain written articles of agreement, which they term as an association of peace between them. The articles are nothing more or less than they, the colored people, solemnly pledge themselves with an oath that they will vote the Democratic ticket in November 1868. And remember, the Democrats of the Civil War era were the racist Democrats. Now, not racist like today's Democrats. These are racist like the Klan member Democrats. Um, to, at the end of the show, we're going to talk about how current Democrats are racist. But right now, we're talking about Klan racist, or pre-Klan, precursors to the Klan racist Democrats. So you were, um, black people were accosted on the road by roving grand, uh, bands of white militia members and made to sign a pledge that they were going to vote Democrat in 1868. Now I'll continue reading. If they sign these, they are let alone with warning. If the colored people violate their pledge, death is their doom. And if they refuse to sign, they're driven out of the county. Their lives threatened with many of them having been driven from their homes. Such are the reports that reach me. But, so that was going on in 1868, after we were free. The Freedmen's Bureau was... Um, <laughs> these little garrisons where people would report things like I just wrote. Things that like, you know what? White people are arming themselves, roving the countryside, stopping random Negroes and making them sign pledges to, uh, for their votes. And if they didn't sign the pledge, they were shooting them right there on the spot or um, scaring the bejesus out of them. That was the White South post-war. And this was the Freedmen's Bureau. Now, the Freedmen's Bureau was instituted so that um, black people were uh, shot into white, uh, shot into American economic and political life. I'm actually reading W.B. Du Bois's uh, Reconstruction, uh, uh, Black Reconstruction. It's actually a wonderful book. It's a lot of book, but it's really well written. He's writing it in the height of his powers. Like, it's incredibly well written. So it's actually like, I feel like it's a very important book to read, but I'm reading it now because I think we need a second Reconstruction. And if you, you know, are taking lists of books to read, go ahead and put that one on it. 
because it's a wonderful book. Uh, Black Reconstruction by W.B. Du Bois. A lot of book, but like it's really well written and uh, probably one of the best book on, books on Reconstruction out there. You know, Foner's read a book and uh, there's some other books, but I, it's the seminal book and it's a book I'm reading and I, I support the scholarship. So that's one letter from, from uh, the Athens, Georgia uh, Freedmen's Bureau. I'm going to read the next letter right before the, uh, the Freedmen's Bureau was chased out of Athens by good Southerners who uh, appreciated their way of life and didn't appreciate the Freedmen. Um, uh, the Freedmen's Bureau telling them that they didn't have to treat black people like slaves. So, this letter is written to the Freedmen's Bureau from 126 um, black people living in Athens, Georgia at the time. We, the undersigned freedmen, we, the undersigned freedmen, have learned that the federal soldiers are soon to be withdrawn from Columbus feel constrained most respectfully to request in the name of the Lord to implore you not to leave us unprotected by federal troops. We firmly believe that the Almighty has ordained our freedom. But at the same time, we wish to inform you that if the federal soldiers are withdrawn from us, we will be left in the most gloomy and helpless condition. A number of freedmen have already been killed in this section of country, and from expressions uttered by prominent men in this community and civil life, we have every reason to fear that others will share a similar fate. We think our commander here might not do better than he does. We do. We think our uh, commander here might. Uh, we think our commander here might do better than he does, and we do know that there are men who would protect us if they had power. We therefore humbly and earnestly. Pray, you general, not to leave us to the tender mercy of our enemies, unprotected. Signed, Henry Watkins, Abraham Smith, George Blunt, S.W. Love, Morgan Gale, and 120 other, quote, colored freedmen. Right? And to be clear, what happened soon after this letter was delivered was the Freedmen uh, Bureau left, the federal soldiers left, and left these people uh, wholly and <laughs> wholly, uh, they, they were left to the tender mercy of their enemies unprotected. Right? And so that was the state of Black Athens then. Now imagine how much guts it took to actually sign that letter knowing that the federal soldiers were going to leave um, and knowing that once they leave, the militia is going to go to that letter and get you first. So, like, you know, let's pour a little bit out for Henry Watkins and the 126 other people who signed that letter imploring the federal soldiers to leave. And, uh, not to leave. And then uh, let's just hope that what we think happened to them once the federal soldiers leave didn't happen to them. But I think it did. I think it did. So once the freedmen... Uh, and and I'm looking at I'm looking at the chat right now. We've been terrorized ever since. We were terrorized ever since. All right. So this is that was that was a letter I've, I read that was delivered to the Freedmen's Office in 1868. And I'm going to show you a picture of Athens in. I don't have a producer here, so I'm kind of 
winging it on my own. I'm going to show you a picture of Athens in... 1964. Now this picture is Athens in 1964. Let me just get it up. What had happened was in 1964, uh, a group of college kids wanted to segregate one of the burger shops in town. Um, one of the burger and hot dog shops in town called the Varsity. Owned by this rich family based in... Um, owned by this rich family based in Atlanta. And um, they wanted to desegregate the shops. So they had a, a few rallies and marches. And this is what happened, right? So on the left, on the left of this picture, you have, this is 1964 in Athens. This is what happened when Athens blacks were left wholly and uh, completely unprotected to the tender mercy of the Athens, um, uh, the Athens white community. A hundred years later, this is, the people on the left are black Athenian college students trying to desegregate the varsity or burger shop. And the right, you have Athens clan members who were marching in full glory in daylight. Now these are your business leaders, your 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 business leaders, your your policemen, your your political leaders, your lawyers, maybe even a judge in there. Who knows? But this is 1964, and it's not that long ago. So these 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 folks are still alive, and you better believe that the money is still in the family on the right hand side of the picture. So uh, this is 1964, and this has been the terrorism that Athens has faced ever since. And the people on the left are still alive, and the people on the right are still alive. And this was, um, I looked at some of the minutes from the Klan's mini. And if you don't know, the Klan was kind of like the Black Panther Party, you know? They had a poor relief program. They had, a, uh, they had you know, community dues. I looked at the minutes of their meeting. It's, it's actually fascinating. They just ran like a, they had internal election and like, Deep debate on how best to terrorize those Negroes. I don't believe they use that word. Um, so, like, this is your moms and your and, your, and this is not your moms, but like, um, white Athens, like, polite society would would meet, and that was what they were doing, right? So, the reason the Klan met was to actually terrorize black people out of seeking the economic and political power that we are owed as citizens, all right? So I've been saying for a few weeks now since I, you know, and I think people who study this stuff believe that the South won the political war. With the end of Reconstruction, the South won the political war. And, I'll and I have a graphic to, believe and to show that. First, we have the graphic that says the South won the political war when we have terrorists mar marching in the street. Second, we have another graphic that says that the South won the political war. And this is a, this is a telling graphic for a few reasons, right? And I'm going to tell, and uh, let me, this, this is a telling graphic for a few reasons. In Athens, there's a commission called the Planning Commission. Now, the Planning Commission is tasked with... Um, deciding how they're tasked with coming up with a comprehensive plan. And this comprehensive plan for the city is going to decide where paths go, where roads go, where, um, 
zoning happens and uh, what to be zoned for what. And like they pretty much are charged with carving up the city in like to make sure it grows in a way that's healthy for the city. Right? They're charged with, with cutting up the, the city. So you would think as a matter of governance, this planning commission would be, would be representative of the city. Right? And I'm telling you, this is your planning commission in Athens, Georgia. Right? And if you don't see, let me, let me blow this up full size just to see in all of your splendor what it looks like at post-reconstruction in 2017. That's the planning commission in Athens, Georgia. That's the group that's tasked with deciding land use. I went to the planning commission's meeting to take this picture, in which I was horrified because I thought as a matter of good governance in a city that is one-third black and with a black poverty rate that's probably around 75%. Um, and that's poverty, not near poverty, poverty at around 75%. Total town poverty rate is at 45%, but there's a lot of white money in, in Athens. So like a third of the town is black. Black poverty is probably around 75, 65, 75%. Um, and it's working poor too. They just are all working jobs at $7 an hour. So that's the planning commission, Right? And they're carving up, that's, their task is to carve up Athens like a Thanksgiving turkey. They're deciding like what roads go through which black neighborhoods. And so I came home and I, you know, I got a little artful with it. Now this picture is Napoleon on your right and William Pitt carving up the world. It's a famous political cartoon um, about... Uh, uh, colonialism, because that's what it is. This is what colonial government looks like. If you don't think colonial government looks like this, like that's what colonial government looks like. When your planning commission looks like that, you are colonial government. But like, look, you see women and men, white women and men. So they have to be progressive, right? Athens is a college town. So I wanted to make sure that people knew what was at stake. And I posted this on Facebook. And if you go to my wall, you'll find it on Facebook. See, Athens, Clark County, that's a planning commission. We're a progressive college town. We empower women white, white supremacists too, right? Because I'm sure that the Planning Commission patted themselves on the back for actually having both women and men cut up black neighborhoods. White women and white men cut up black neighborhoods like a Thanksgiving turkey. Right? That's, what white, that's, what, that's what progress looks like. Right? Um, and I have a few other... Um, pictures I rendered from that meeting. Let me just draw them up. Here's another one. Athens, Clark County Planning Commissions. We integrated some schools, but don't worry. We aren't giving up any real power. Right? So that's when I, when I say that... Um, when I say that the South won the political war... I'm saying, and don't, don't be fooled, the entire U.S. is Southern. This isn't just the South. When I say the South won the political war, I mean that <laughs> the real power in, plan, in the planning commission, in the city mayor and, and, and commission, in these integrated towns, unless there's a black politics, the real power is, in the, is still in white hands. Because this terrorism worked. This terrorism worked so well that black people forgot how to demand their power. 
And our power isn't our power isn't hegemony. I'm not looking for this clan. I'm not, like, not looking for this this modern day clan meeting to be all black. I'm looking for three or four black people there to make sure that roads don't go through black people's neighborhoods because if they if black people are not in that room, their food, especially in a booming town like Athens, that um, that has to deal with gentrification and what and the third of the Negro population knows that they are disposable and dispensable. Um, so we need political protection. That's what it's at. That's what it's at right now. Political protection. Um, political protection. And that's what I'm training. Well, that's one of the reasons Yvette and I try to do this show, uh, to get black people the political protection that we deserve. So look, if you like what we're doing, we, if you like what we're doing, go over to, um, www.thefunkyacademic.com Click over uh, on the panel on the right-hand side. On the right-hand side, this is my left. I think it's reversed in the camera, so it should be on your right. Click over on the panel on the right-hand side and kick down a few dollars, preferably a few dollars a month, so I can keep doing what we're doing. This all takes money. And like I said, on September the 20th, we're doing a live show at 4 p.m. with... Black Athens, and it's going to be a weekly show where we do black politics. I'm going to get guests, and we're going to talk this down. Yvette and I are going to talk with um, local leaders, because if we can build a black politics here in Athens, Georgia, and we can show you how, and we can do it and, 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 and bring, make the issues plain, we can do it anywhere. This will be portable. Pot- portable, right? The model we're building here can move everywhere. Um, because the stories I'm talking about, about reconstruction, about the freedmen, about the freedmen abandoning uh, the black community, uh, is not just a matter of Athens, Georgia. It's a story that's told all over these United States. Um, and until we are made whole, we cannot get justice. So, now this brings us to... Iremio Se Frimpong went to... No, okay, so someone asked, the Wednesday shows will, will, will be live? Um, uh, the Wednesday shows will still be here in the home studio, and if that's going to do that, there's going to be a Friday show at 4 p.m. that's going to be on Black Athens local politics, but it's going to be like trying to explain how Black Athens local politics will also work in Jacksonville, will also work in Gainesville, will also work in Columbia, will also work in any place that there's a sizable black politics, a sizable black population that's poor. It'll also work in Ferguson. Um, so um, that's the goal of the, uh, the black local politics show that's going to be filmed at 4 o'clock on Friday. And we'll do it live and we'll take uh, phone calls and we'll take an audience. And we're going to build it here. And you're going to see how we're going to build it here in real time. So when we build our black middle class in Athens, Georgia, you'll know how to build your black middle class wherever town, in, in Syracuse, in Hartford, in, in any place that's poor black people. We're going to uh, make this known. So, uh, oh, the 20, I, okay, September 20th is a Wednesday. The first show's on the 22nd. I meant the 22nd. My bad. I meant Friday the 22nd. Thank you, Mac Hill. I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at, uh, <coughs> uh, I'm looking at uh, YouTube right now. Uh, the 22nd is 
is is the when this show is happening. The twenty second, um, Friday, live. We're doing it. It's happening. Can't quite figure out how I'm going to pay for it, but the equipment's already bought and it's being set up. So that's going to be between you know us. Um, going after some other grants. Some people, some white organizations say they're going to pay for it. But if I know white organizations and you know white organizations are going to pull out the last moment. So we're going to have to deal with this us. Um, we're, we're going to have to, we're, we're dealing with it. But it's, it's happening. Just hopefully, uh, hopefully I can pay my credit card bill next month. Just in case, go on and go to, to funkyacademic.com. Click on the panel. Make a donation. Thank you. All right. So I went to the Mayor and Commission meetings because downtown they're building a 30 to $50 million luxury um, condominium place. And the condos are going to be two and three bedrooms for $300,000. I'll tell you, black people will not be living in those condos. In those condos will be white... Uh, you know, parents are going to buy their students' condos, wealthy students who live in the suburbs of Atlanta. They're going to buy the, uh, the, uh, their kids' condos there. Or like some really wealthy uh, Georgians are going to buy condos so that they can walk to the football game um, because the way the, the condos are setting, uh, the, the condominiums are going to be luxury condos pretty close to the stadium. So they're going to come here, buy the condo so that they can fly here four or five eight times a year and watch uh, UGA, University of Georgia football games or basketball games, get drunk and then walk back. And none of black people won't be living there. However, since it's a 50, uh, since it's a 30 to $40 million project, I want black people to build it, right? I want black people to build it because that's a lot of money to be, to be, uh, to be thrown around town and, and I want that money to go into building a black middle class because right now there is no black middle class. There's a black poverty. There's a black poor class. However, when I look at the construction in town and there is a lot of construction both in the university and just outside of the university, there's not, we're not doing that construction. I see a lot of uh, recent immigrants, uh, mostly Latinos, doing the entry-level jobs and then quite a few white managers kind of walking from to and fro doing the, uh, the, the managerial jobs. And I want black people doing all of those jobs because the jobs we are doing in Athens um, are not at living wage. They're at poverty wages. We're at Taco Bell. We're at Wendy's. We're at McDonald's. We're not at Chick-fil-A. That's a... Uh, that's a show I'm going to be doing. I think I'll do that later about how like Chick-fil-A figures out only a way to only have white people. I don't, I don't know. I'm new to the South. I feel like that's bizarre. But anyway, we're, doing, we're working in Athens. We're just working at poverty wages. I want us working at non-poverty wages. I want us working at working class. I want us working at working class and upper middle class and middle class wages. I want us getting those contracts for the $50 million condos. I don't mind them being built. I know it's not affordable housing. I, you know, a lot of people talk about affordable housing. I don't really care about affordable housing because Athens housing right now is pretty cheap. Uh, the problem is we don't have money. So, like, the, my goal isn't to get people, black people affordable housing. My goal is to get black people money so that they can afford the housing that's already here. Because the housing that's already here is actually pretty reasonably priced. We just don't have money. 
It's not like you can't buy a house on $7 an hour, but black people, we shouldn't be making $7 an hour. We should be making $27 an hour. And that's my job, um, and that's our work here. So I want us to be those union contractors. I want us to be the plumbers. I want us in the construction trades. So I went down, you know, like a good citizen, I went down to... um, I went down to the meeting. Let me uh, let me pull up the clip of me talking at the uh, mayor and commission meeting, and I'm just going to play this clip. I, you know, when I when I get in front of people, you think I just talk about black jobs here? I talk about black jobs everywhere, and this is what you know. Honestly, you should be doing. So this is me talking at the mayor commission meeting. Wealthy retirees, wealthy students, and also alumni. They, if they want a place to live in town, they should get a place to live in town. Um, so I'm actually not averse to building um, something. I don't feel it's particularly my aesthetic, but it's also not in my price range, so that's fine. Um, however, uh, we can talk about affordable housing and aesthetics, but my primary concern is jobs and getting the black workforce injected into the building trades. Now, the city and the county has an attested history of land use and development priorities that have been detrimental to building black wealth on a generational level. Now, here is an opportunity for a county commission to let it be known that this project would be much more attractive uh, with not only more pretty artistic renderings, but a worked out plan to include 30% of contractors, subcontractors, and employees to be made up of black Athens. And if you have a hard time finding those contractors, I know quite a few, um, I know quite a few reasonably priced consultants uh, who could help you find those black contractors in the city. And I know you have money for the contractors because I participated in Envision Athens and and uh, that was contracting money that I don't think was spent very well. So I know we have money. If we have money to spend money uh, con- uh, consulting uh, for that project, we have money to find consultants in Athens to hook up someone like Carl with, um, with uh, some of my colleagues who actually would uh, match Carl with black contractors and, con- and, and subcontractors uh, so that black workers can get those jobs at the both point of entry so that they can become building trade entrepreneurs 10, 20, 15, uh, 10, 20, 30 years down the road and also get jobs today at wealthy retirees, wealthy students. So that was me talking at the mayor and commission meeting, um, advocating on behalf of, I need black people to get jobs. Look, I, I need black people to get jobs. I need black people working um, good. I need black people working good, middle-class job, because before I leave in this town, before I expire, there will be a black middle class. Like, that's, that's just it. And if we do it here, we can do it everywhere. And I'm tired of watching black people get shut out, not only of, of, of the trades in terms of contracts, but also the point of entry jobs. Now, let me tell you why that's important. This is important because if we're not if we're shut out of the point of entry jobs, we don't learn the quality of skills that will allow us to become master carpenters, master plumbers, and win the contracts and actually perform the work that we need to be doing um, in order to, to be builders, right? And not just builders on YouTube, but builders all over these United States. So, all right, so it's time for me to actually, I, I, I have to give myself a warning. It's time for me to say, look, if you like what I'm doing, subscribe to... Uh, this channel, it's a funky academic. Uh, so press that little subscribe button, tell your friends, uh, email this around, 
to all of the people that you know. Also, um, hit that little bell that tells you when we're going. Uh, tweet this out. Let's tell the people what we're doing and let it be known that we're doing it at a high level. And this is what black politics can look like. All right, so subscribe to The Funky Academic. Tweet this out. Let's tell our people. Um, like and share this video. All right, so I went there and I went advocating for black people because you're going to build a 30 to $50 million uh, luxury condominium complex in my town. I want black people building it. Now, here's the deal. Black people, we have a hard time getting the contracts because they go to, like, people in the suburbs' cousin, like all the people on those panel, on the panel, it'll go to their cousin rather than go to us. Um, uh, and their cousins live in the suburbs, and they'll hire people uh, who with dubious documentation who will work for less than we do. So, like, we have a hard time getting the contracts. But we also have a hard time getting insured and bonded. Right? Bonded, insured, and licensed. Because all of those things cost money. And those things cost money uh, when you don't have money. And we don't have the kind of cash. So, like, so for example, in order to get licensed, you probably need, uh, I was talking to some contractors, again, uh, I was talking to some contractors about this. In order to get a contract, in order to get licensed, uh, bonded, insured, first of all, you're going to need something like a $40,000 line of credit. At least. A $40,000 line of credit. Black people at home, do you have a credit card with a $40,000 with a $40,000 line? Um, really, do you have a credit card with a $40,000 line? Can you get a credit card with a $40,000 line? Can you get one? Get, what happens if you call if you call your mom? Say, moms, do you mind uh, co-signing a credit card for me so I can get a $40,000 line because I got an idea for a project? <laughs> that's your mom. Like, is that gonna work? Like, no. So that's not like that's. So like, we don't have a four. So first of all, you need a forty thousand dollar line of credit. All right. So we're not in that game. Second, you're gonna leave a few hundred a few hundred dollars for just licensing fee. It's fine. Third, you're gonna need cash in the bank. Um, before you'll get these contracts. For example, if you want a marijuana dispensary. Uh, in Colorado, I don't have the uh, I don't have the clip on there because like I'm trying to do a lot of things. I gotta I, it's very complicated. I gotta produce and then do the clips and uh, so for a marijuana dispensary in Colo- in Colorado, in order to get the license, they want you to show them a bank statement that shows that you have a half million dollars in the bank just sitting, just cash on hand, a half million dollars just to hold. So are you holding a half black people? Do you have a half million dollars in the bank just sitting to get licensed? That is 500K. Uh, <laughs> um, now, the intern is uh, not on right now. Someone asked, where's your intern? My intern is a, C- a computer science student. Matthew works very hard. He's also, I want him to do very well in his classwork. So like he's, he's doing homework right now. So it's just me kind of doing this stuff. Uh, Matthew's doing some other stuff. So like, uh, but Matthew works very hard. Thank you. And thank you, Matthew. I know you're going to watch this or you're watching this now as you're programming things. And I want you to keep programming, you know, study hard. And thanks for all the work you do. He's, our intern right now did design some t-shirts. 
So pretty soon I'm gonna you're, you're gonna be um, seeing Breaking Brown T-shirts with like a Vets mug on the T-shirt. It's gonna be dope, and I want you to uh, to, to to buy one of those because the the T-shirts are gonna be funny. Um, and uh, anyway, so if you want a medical marijuana dispensary in Colorado, um, you need one half. We need a half million dollars in the bank. Just to show people. So maybe so maybe you know somebody, black people, maybe you know somebody who'll let you hold a half million dollars. Just to hold. Just to hold it. Just not to have it. Just I just want to hold it for a little bit. Um I don't, but maybe you do. I don't think you do. But um so like that's if you if you want one in Massachusetts, you only need two hundred thousand dollars just to hold. The bank, the 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 the, the board, the licensing board, just wants to see that you have two hundred thousand dollars worth of hold. So, like, if you have that money in the bank, that'd be great. In Pennsylvania, they're a little bit cheap. You only need uh, one hundred fifty thousand dollars in the bank. They just want to see that you have one hundred fifty thousand dollars <laughs> um, in the bank to hold before they'll give you a medical marijuana uh, um, uh, license. So, pretty much, that means that black people, we're not going to be in the medical marijuana game. And your weed guy, if you have a weed guy, probably isn't going to be in the legalized medical marijuana game. And that's too bad because you know we're going to go to jail for uh, marijuana. So those are some of the things locking black people out of these United States. So what a government can do is, one, waive. um, Honestly, it just needs to bond us that that money. They They need to like say, like, look, black people. If you, want to order, if you want to open a business, we need you to get insured. And in order for you to get insured, you need to show that kind of money. So we're going to give you a grant to hold that $500,000 so you can get insurance. Um, so that's exactly what, uh, that's exactly the kind of black politics we need that will give p- black people the grant to hold that kind of money. Because like expecting black people to be able to get that, through like asking their family it just isn't going to happen when the um, I just saw a uh, there's only one black woman in Denver with a medical marijuana license and that's and that's over that's a, 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 a billions of dollar uh, I want to look that up Colorado Colorado marijuana marijuana billion yeah, it was $1 billion in sales, right? So uh, $1 billion in sales in 2016. Black people, we didn't get that much of that. Because in order to get a license in Colorado for the medical marijuana, you need um, to be able to show that you have five hundred k in the bank. And apparently only one black woman could do that. So black people, maybe you can hit her up. <laughs> but I feel like she's probably busy. Um <laughs> Uh, and in, so someone says, Kenneth Taylor says, in Connecticut, you need 25K just to apply. That means we're just cut out of the game. Right? We're cut out of that game. So capital requirements in order to get these licenses. <laughs> uh, her name is Wanda Jones. Um, so capital, the capital requirements just to get these licenses is just is locking us out of the game. So we need a quality of politics that will allow black people to have a grant, a capital grant, so that we can apply and be competitive um, and so that we can get insured 
because we can pass. It doesn't matter how many times we pass the plate in our local churches. Our people cannot come up with that kind of money just to hold us. The, the median net worth of a black family in the United States is $1,700. And this is compared to a median net worth of a white family in the United States, which is about 100 to $111,000. Right? These numbers are from Edward Wolf. They adjust for a few durable assets. But pretty much we're talking about $1,700 for black people, $100,000 for white people, which means a few white guys can get around and make some calls and uh, come up with a uh, half million dollars to hold. Whereas if you're black, you're just not going to be, that's just not, you can make all the calls. You can make all of the calls and you're just not going to come up with a half million dollars that someone's just going to let you, let, let you have sitting in the bank. In addition to the $40,000 credit. For example, if you're white and you have that uh, worth 100000 you can have your credit card, you can put your house um, as collateral to extend your credit so you can get that $40,000 credit limit. If you're black, that's just not going to happen. And that's not going to happen for anybody you know. Um, that's just our situation. So we need government help. We need the government to make us whole. At the beginning of the show, I talked about the Feudman Bureau. Like, actually, was, their job was to get black people into economic and political life. And when they left, we've been locked out and terrorized out ever since. Right? So when I made this point at the... Um, when I made this point at the commission meeting, one of the commissioners, now remember, this is the planning commission right here. This is the planning commission, right? These, this commission is appointed by the mayor and the elected commission. Now, I made, now my, um, so the planning commission makes recommendations. The recommendations go to the mayor and the, 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 the planning commission. I mean, the, the mayor and the elected commission. And I make my announcements at the, um, at the mayor and the planning commission's meeting. Now, this is me. This is, after I make my um, pitch at the planning commission that we need black jobs, um, one of the uh, commissioners says, actually, that's not such a, that's not such a bad idea. Uh, the woman on the left says, like, we actually have to look at, like, you know, we have to look at some black jobs. Uh, the woman on the left of the clip I'm going to show. Now, the woman on the right, her name is Sharon Dickerson. I don't say her name. Her name is Sharon Dickerson. She's a problem. She also reminds me of every white teacher you've ever had who locked you out, who, like, suspended you for some BS, who locked you out. And, like, she's, like, she's smart. She's also a problem. This is, like, I'm sure she calls herself a Democrat. And who knows? She probably voted for Hillary Clinton. But she's a problem. This is where she comes from. And let me, let me make sure this is played out loud and right. Let me make sure the audio is right. Because I want you to hear what uh, uh, Dickerson has to say about um, the idea that black people need, need, need real jobs, need jobs. And also alumni, they, if they want a place to live in town, they should get a place to live in town. I'm actually not averse to building wealthy. Uh, and I, I don't feel a number of friends it's who particularly my aesthetic, but it's also not my price range, so that's fine. 
And I think um, it's however, uh, we can talk about affordable age, housing and aesthetics, but my primary you know, I think we concern is jobs and, we should be and getting the black workforce injected you know, into and, the building trades. Now, the city and the county has an attested history of land use and development priorities so, that have been detrimental um, to I, I building it's, black it's wealth divisive. on a generational level. Now, here is an opportunity for a county commission to let it be known that this project would be much more attractive uh, the, the, uh, with not only more pretty artistic renderings, Florida, but a worked-out I mean, plan you know, to include 30% of contractors or contractors and employees to be made up of black athletes. And if you have a hard time finding is, you live, those contractors, I know we're all quite in this together. We're Americans, um, and we need to start working together. And we need to start I know quite a few first. reasonably That's priced consultants. Uh, who could help you find those black contractors in the city? And I know you have money for the contractors because I participated in Vision Athens and. White and, people uh, are that was contracting money that I don't think is spent very well. Are more wealthy so I know we have money. If we have money to spend money uh, con uh, consulting uh, for that part, we have money to find. Okay, so I don't know if you could hear that. Um, we're going to try that again. We're going to try that clip again. Uh, clip two. We're going to try that again. You know, I think we have come a long way and we should be looking at character people, you know, and, and their integrity and not the color of their skin and or their or their size of the bank account for that matter. So um, I, I think it's it's divisive. It doesn't do anything to build up this community and we need to get away from it. Um, I think you mentioned a couple weeks ago in the whole or maybe recently about the Houston, the the uh, hurricane and everything. And we're fixing to look at another one on South Florida. I mean, you know, it shouldn't matter what your political affiliation is or isn't, what color your skin is, how big your bank account is, or where you live, or what kind of car you drive. We're all in this together. We're Americans, and we need to start working together, and we need to start it here first. So that's all I've got to say. Thank you. I take issue with... So if you got that right, not so Sharon says, like, we don't need to worry about getting black people jobs because um, black people are doing all right. She knows rich people. She knows rich black people. Sharon Dickinson knows rich black people, which means that black people don't have a problem. So there are a few things going on here. One, do not look at our conditions by loopholes. Uh, do, not, do not look at black people's condition by loopholes. Do not judge us by loopholes. That's, that's, like that, 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 do not, like, that's like saying, well, I see Steph Curry... Uh, like I see Steph Curry playing basketball, so black people are doing fine, right? And uh, the black guy who's agreeing—that's the one black guy who's um, who's on the commission. He's the Clarence Thomas of the commission. His job is just to be be quiet. His name's Harry Sims. His job is just to be quiet and like keep getting his checks. Um, uh, the one black guy is like, "Yep, yep, that's my job. Um, I said, Don't mind me. I'm just here for the cookies." Uh, so, uh, so Sharon's out there going, uh, I know one, I know, I know one black, I know a black, I know the, the five black families in Athens with real money, which means that, um, that, that black people are doing fine. Although there's like a 60 to 75% poverty rate in Athens, Georgia, and a 45% in total town, the black poverty is through the roof. Um, um, so... 
Sharon says, like, talking about black jobs is being divisive. And let me tell you what's divisive. The math is divisive. Don't let anybody, don't let anybody tell you that talk, trying to get money into black people's pockets is divisive. Trying to get money into black people, the math is divisive. Like, that, like uh, just, like, our situation is divided. We have never been made whole. We haven't made, been made whole since Reconstruction fled the South. And since we've been terrorized, like, you know what's divisive? Uh, having this as your planning commission, that's divisive, right? You know what's divisive? This is divisive. And these guys did their jobs because, once again, this is your planning commi- commission. If their job is to keep black people out of... Um, political power, then this, this, this picture tells you that the Klan did their jobs. They don't, we don't even need a Klan anymore. Um, so the Klan in uh, 1964 in Athens worked very hard so that the Klan in 2017 doesn't even have to wear sheets. And that's where we're at right now. And uh, I believe Sharon Dickinson's been born and raised in Athens, uh, Athens, so I wouldn't be surprised if one of her relatives is in that picture on the right. But it's okay, because she knows, she knows wealthy black people. That means we've been made whole. We have not been made whole, um, and we can't be made whole, because um, we need our government contracts. We need uh, the government to lock us in. And we actually need government to either waive these requirements for insurance and bonding, or grant us the money to hold, not loan, grant us the money to hold or give it in a trust so that all of the black contractors can all like point to this one bank account that we have that's um, been deeded, that's been granted to the city as a trust so that every black carpenter in Athens can point to the black account, black account so that, yeah, I have insurance through this account. That's a quality of black, um, black, uh, Politics we need. For example, there's going to be, out of this new condo deal, there's going to be $700,000 generated in new taxes. You put, a half, you put that, that tax money into an account and have that count be um, a trust for black trades contractors so that they can get insured and bonded. Like, there are ways around this if we're serious about a black, contra- if, if we're serious about a black politics, uh, politics that will make us whole. Oh, so I'm going to go to YouTube right now. Um, I'm going to go to YouTube right now. And look. So, yeah, and let's be clear. Let's be clear. Like, don't let anybody tell you about um, uh, talking about black politics being divisive. Like, we're not, like, talking about black politics and making sure black people get those contracting jobs, get those points of entry jobs, get those apprenticeship jobs, and get those um, ownership contracting jobs is not a, it's not being divisive. We've never been made whole, and we cannot get our justice until we're made whole. That, like, the math is divisive. Just looking at the math shows that we've been divided. So make us whole, get us the black politics and the black power we deserve, and that's um, and 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 then we can talk about how we're unified. 
The fake unity where the one black guy on, on the council has to nod his head because he knows that he, <laughs> his job depends on making everybody, every, like, and not his job, his, his livelihood and his kids' livelihoods depends on white Athens money. That's not being made whole. That's not being made whole. Um, so let me see if I can get uh, the phones going. I was having some problems with the phones earlier. That's why we're running a little bit late. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, the call, the call doesn't want to go through. You know, we're, we're, I'm in the middle of Hurricane Irma. I'm doing this like the, uh, like the, like the post office. Neither no snow nor rain, no, nor heat nor gloom of night stays these couriers from the swift completion of their appointed rounds. We're in the middle of a hurricane, and I'm giving you your black politics. So go on ahead to thefunkyacademic.com, kick down for a little bit so that I can pay my credit card bill next month because we're doing the show on the 22nd. And um, yeah, let's just, uh, let's, let's, let's get this going. Uh, let's get it going. Can't, can't, uh, the phone, it looks like our cell phone service might be out, but our internet's fine. So I'm going to look at the, the, the YouTube comments. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jaquette 3000 said, heck, the Klan didn't need the White House. They got the police forces, the teachers, and the newspapers. That's very important. The Klan did take over the newspapers. And that's why we need uh, our own black media. Because if we don't get our black media right, we can't get a black politics right. If we don't get our black politics right then this planning commission right here is going to decide where to put the roads and um, where to close the schools and they're going to carve up your neighborhood like a uh, Thanksgiving turkey. And that's a problem for at least me. And it should be a problem for you. And once again, I'll put up this meme. This is the Athens uh, Clark County Planning Commission. We integrated some schools, but don't worry, we aren't giving up any real power. And that's what not giving up any real power looks like in a, in a town that's one-third black. And to be clear, one black person on that commission isn't going to make a difference. You need three or four on that commission right there so that they can consolidate power and, uh, and not, not be beholden to everybody else. Right? You need three or four we need cluster hiring. That's what it's called, cluster hiring. Um, let me look, go back to YouTube to see out what the people are looking at. What are you doing? Uh, okay, let's not forget that the same planning commission exists in every town in this nation. That's true. The same planning commission in every town exists in every town in your nation. So do me a favor. Take your little cell phone or your little camera. Go to your planning commission and... Um, Take a picture of their next planning commission meeting. And go ahead, email that picture to irami, that's I-R-A-M-I, at thefunkyacademic.com and tell me, what's the planning commission look like? Um, and then, what does your town look like? Give me the percentage of your town, and then give me the percentage of your uh, planning commission. Because the percentage of black of your town and the percentage black of your planning commission. Because here's the deal. The way uh, state constitutions are written, it's a little bit tricky to to get black um, to to get commissions 
after they've approved the business licenses and after they've approved the zoning, it's a little bit tricky to force the private businesses to, um, to, to hire black people and do business with black subcontractors. It's tricky. It's possible. I'll talk about how it's possible on a different show. Uh, but it's possible. It's just a little bit tricky. However, before they zone it for commercial districts, they can ask whatever they want. Before they zone it, they can ask whatever they want, which means that's when, when they're trying to zone it for commercial business or when they try to zone it for, uh, zone it from residential to commercial, that's when you get them to ask, all right, I like this plan. I like the plan. I like this plan for a quick trip. I like the plan for the condominiums. For the condominiums. I like the plan. That's great. Now, tell me how you're going to get, I'd like the plan a little bit more if you tell me how you're going to get 30%, 40%, 50% of the contractors who are going to build this uh, mini mall to be black. I'd like to plan a little bit more if you show me, one, where the green space is going to be, but more importantly, um, how you're going to employ black contractors. And if you have a hard, if you have a hard time uh, finding black contractors, that means there's an opportunity for black consultants to be matchmakers that match white developers with black contractors and make the white developers pay for it. If Look, if these white developers can pay $60 million to develop the project, they can pay $61 million to uh, pay uh, um, uh, uh, a black consultant to, map, to find them a black contractors. We just need to put the political pressure on them. And that's what I want... Um, uh, our black politics to be to be fighting for. There's money being thrown around in these development deals and pass hands and 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 to um uh, and there's money that passes hands and just none of those hands are black uh, are, are, are are black. So we need the developers who are developing these construction projects to pay 62 million dollars to create a black trade school that specializes in creating a black pipeline a pipeline um, from a high school through carpentry and plumbing. If you can buy, if you can. Spend sixty million dollars to build a condominium um, uh, a complex. You can spend sixty-two million dollars as a white developer to um, to to fund a program to make black carpenters, and that's the kind of pressure we need to be putting on our local governments for their asks before they rezone these districts for commercial development. That's where the pressure can be, in the rezoning. The pressure is in the rezoning. So when you talk to a black commissioner, when you talk to a white commissioner, when you talk to a white um, commissioner who's looking for re-election, uh, that's what you ask him. When you ask a white uh, uh, mayoral candidate for re-election, are you going to pressure um, white developers? Are you going to... Uh, pressure developers, because let's be honest, the kind of capital that's needed in developing, um, it's going to be white capital. So are you going to pressure developers uh, to hire black contractors before you rezone it for development? And a place like luxury condominiums next to a university, they can't put that, they can't say that like, well, if you don't let us put it here, we'll put it in the adjacent county or the adjacent city. No, there's only one university. You're going to put it right here. 
next to the University of Georgia. So don't tell me you're going to move it um, to the next county because you're going to want all of those drunk alumni to walk from the uh, condominium to the stadium. So don't tell me you're going to move it to the next county. You're going to build it where, you go, where we want you to build it. You just are going to build it in a way that makes our community hold so whole. So that's the kind of pressure our local politics can um, bear, put to bear on the local planning commissions. Stacey Abrams actually has uh, a plan to capitalize um, uh, black black businesses so that they can get insured. So she actually is kind of thinking, Stacey Abrams is a black um, democratic uh, gubernatorial candidate in the state of Georgia. She hasn't released the details from it, but I've spoken to her, you know, Negro to Negro, and she actually has a, a plan. I'm not going to feel completely comfortable endorsing her as, you know, uh, you know, to my people until I actually see her come public with that plan. But she has a plan to, like, pressure your people to have a plan uh, to capitalize black businesses and put pressure on white developers uh, to use black businesses. Uh, let me look back at YouTube. Uh, <laughs> let me see. Uh, YouTube people, what do you have to say? Yep, they took all the trades out of public schools. Yeah, we need trades, but we also need pipelines. We also need pipelines. So once you graduate, or honestly, once you drop out of public high school, you can still uh, go to a trade school and become a plumber. There are a lot of white people. Look, the, the net worth of white... Um, uh, the net worth of white households is still higher. Net white, the net worth of white households who drop out of college or drop out of high school is still higher than the net worth of black, high, uh, black households with a college degree. That means you can drop out of high school and still be better than a black guy or black woman who graduates college. So, like, we need... Um, trade schools for black high school dropouts because like white high school dropouts do just fine. So we need to get us into trade schools. We need to force apprenticeships. Um, in Chicago, they have a program. You can Google this. Um, women in Trades. That's a program in Chicago. And you know what it does? It trains women in the trades. And it works. Those women get trained in the trades and then they go on and get um, apprenticeships at, uh, through local um, building companies. Or they start their own. So, like, that's, that's, that's what we need. Black people in trades. Or, like, you can, you can be real sly when you name it. You can name it, like, the Medgar Evers Trade School. The James Baldwin Trade School. Name it the, the Malcolm X Trade School. And just know that, like, that's, that's for us. Um, uh, I feel like the same. All right, so... So I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at YouTube, looking at the comments. Go ahead and comment in YouTube. I like I said, I think the hurricane did something with our phone, so I'm having a hard time calling into the the, the call in studio. But uh, it looks like yeah, YouTube's going fine. All right, so we have that too in New York. Don't know if that's still going. Um. Uh, go to your local meeting. Let it be known that you expect 
your commissioners or your city councilmen before they accept a rezoning for any um, for any any commercial developer that you don't just want like sun pan like you know you got these white hippies in a progressive town they're talking about well we want green space and we want sun panels or like we want affordable housing and all those things are nice but mostly we want black people building it at like 27 and, and 30 dollars an hour like we want union black people building it um we want good jobs we, and so that way we can like, we can get black people to put sun panels on our own houses. Um, that's 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 what we want. And that's what we could be advocating for. And that's a quali- kind of politics um, that something like reconstruction was advocating for before they got run out. Um, oh yeah, and future five thousand one. It's true. A lot of trade schools are a scam for for profit schools. So you have to be careful. Uh, you have to be careful. So honestly, we want trade schools, but uh, we also want a guaranteed job, and we want the government to back it. Because this, and this is something Harold Cruz. There's a book called "The Crisis of the Negro Intellectual" by Harold Cruz. I read it about ten years ago. It's it's a fantastic book, and in the introduction, he makes a wonderful argument. Once again, the book is called "Crisis of the Negro Intellectual," and the book is written by Harold Cruz, and. Um, uh, and he makes an argument, say like, look, for all of our uh, talk of rights, for individual rights, all of our talk of rights, real power in America comes through groups, comes through social groups. Um, for all of our talk of individual rights, what guarantees those rights is your social group in America. We should have the government guarantee rights, and it shouldn't be a privilege of a certain groups. But instead, what happens is social groups guarantee rights. So unless you're, and Harold Coop says, like, look, unless you're a white wasp, that's a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, a white Catholic, or a white Jewish person, um, your group doesn't matter. Your group can't guarantee you the quality of rights that you need. Uh, because in order to have rights, that means you need to be able to go to an uncle or a family member or friend who is a uh, lawyer who can like who's willing to work pro bono for you to fight in the in the uh, um, in courts for you to guarantee your rights. So for all of our talk of individual rights, rights claims are backed by groups. Harold Cruz argues pretty persuasively in the intro of his book, uh, "The Crisis of the Negro Intellectual." And uh, black people, we're not a part of one of the big groups. So we need to make, we need to get the quality of black politics that gets government backing our rights, right? Because, first of all, rights are political artifacts and shouldn't be backed by the strength of your group. They should be backed by your government. Um, And that's why they're rights and not privileges of groups. They're actually rights shared by all. Um, and we need the quality of politics that will get us back, get us our rights backed by our government. So what do I need? Uh, YouTube says, what do I think about Umar? Umar, brother Umar, Umar Johnson. Look, I'll tell you about Umar. I'm not a hotep guy. I'm not even a pan-Africanist, really. And I say this as a, uh, just like, my dad's from Ghana and my mom's from South Carolina. So, like, I'm not really a pan-Africanist just because I think... African-Americans are American, and we should get our cut of America. But Umar's a smart guy. Like, he's a bright guy. I actually think he's a bright guy. Do I ever think he's going to be able to start a school? No. 
I don't think he's going to be able to start a school because schools are expensive and um, he's going around uh, asking money from black people who have a few dollars. Uh, he wants to start a boarding school with black teachers. Like, all of that's going to cost like tens of millions of dollars. And he's been hustling for a few years now and probably has about a half million dollars. That's probably spent on his day-to-day living fees because he's been hustling for a few years. So I, I, I don't think he's ever going to start a school. However, I think he's right that black, like we need black, a black curriculum. We need black people talking about reconstruction. We need black people talking about the t- white terrorism that um, ended reconstruction. We need black people talking. We need black people and white people learning about white terrorism so that we need the quality of black politics and the quality of American politics that's directed into making black people whole, right? So Umar Johnson's right that we need black teachers. We need black teachers in school. We need black people. We need black teachers learning. We need black children learning about terrorism. We need a curriculum that's actually adequate to their generational poverty, and we need them to know the causes of their generational poverty, which is, like I said, the causes of their generational poverty is planning boards looking like this um, and white terrorist groups looking like this. So we need, uh, we need, we need black teachers in school, but we also need white, we need the curricular intervention that creates white allies who are actually up to the job. Like, there are white allies who don't know what Reconstruction is. And honestly, if you're a white ally who doesn't know what Reconstruction is, you're not going to be much of an ally because you don't know why we need to be made whole. So, and and I've said this before, this is what the right does very well. When they talk about education, they want to put, it's not just about charter schools or school vouchers versus public school. When the right talks about education, they want to make interventions into the curriculum. They want creationism into the curriculum, right? Because they know that that's where they do damage. But they know that education curriculum in the media is how you create the electorate that will elect a Donald Trump, right? So they make, they make their intervention there. Black people, we need to advocate for our curricular intervention so that everybody, not just black people, everybody learns about white terrorism. Now, um, the legacy of white terrorism post-Reconstruction, um, and actually, if you go back to the beginning of this video, it shows that the legacy of white terrorism includes Reconstruction. Um, and uh, it's that and it's because of the legacy of white terrorism that black people don't even know how to formulate the quality of political demand because they can't look um, white men and women in their face and say like, "Look, we need to be made whole. We need you to do. We need you to do your job, and we uh, do it needed as a matter of justice, not charity." Right? Like, I don't care about how your 501c3 group wants to open up a soup kitchen. Black people don't need more soup kitchens. We need more contracts and jobs and black employees who are working with $27 an hour jobs with benefits and a vacation. Uh, We need real jobs. We don't need any more charity. And we're going to get that through a black politics. And so we need the quality of media and the quality of curricular interventions that will give us the quality of media and the quality of citizenry that will actually like get the reparations passed. Because look, the way the demographics work in the United States, we only need 35% of white people to go along with this. 
We can muscle it with the rest. 35% of white people go along, we can get the rest. And we can do that if they know the story. And they will know the story if we get it in the curriculum. And, it's not, and so that they understand that it's not just a matter of charity, it's a matter of justice. So make sure you uh, tweet this video out, you share the video around. Um, once again, we're doing a black local politics show live uh, on the 22nd of September. I said 20th earlier, but it's going to be the 22nd in, uh, it's going to be live with a live studio audience. We're going to take some calls from the audience, and then we're going to do the phone, and it's going to be a vet and I, and it's going to be called the Black Athenians. That's Friday, the 22nd. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Um, so yeah, that's happening. It'll happen easier. Uh, it's happening no matter what, because the equipment's been bought, the studio's being set up. It'll happen easier if you go to uh, it'll happen with less stress and lower blood pressure on myself if you go to www.thefunkyacademic.com and kick down a little bit uh, so that uh, I can pay off my credit card bill later on um, next month so go to www.thefunkyacademic.com kick down in support of the show in support of the live show we're building, this is what we're growing um, this is what growing looks like kick down for a monthly donation so that we can grow even more. I want to be able to pay people to do like, vid- now that we have the studio that's like at a resource center, I want to be able to pay local people to, I'm going to be training people to how to cut videos and edit videos and, 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 and do that kind of work. Um, like I said, right now I got some white organizations that say they're going to fund it and I'm going to meet with them on Wednesday. They've all but promised to fund it, but I don't trust them until I get that check because my experience with white organizations is that as uh, they talk a good game, but as soon as they're not about black self-determination as much as they're about black charity. And like that's not about what I'm doing right now. I want black self-determination, which means I want real black jobs. Credit Scott King. Look, lastly, I'll leave you with this. Credit Scott King, um, when, Malcolm, uh, when Martin Luther King died, Credit Scott King was fighting for a federal job guarantee because she knew that jobs were, was where um, black liberation was going. You get the black political power, so you get the academic, uh, black ec- economic power, and you get the black economic power, um, black economic inclusion, so you can get these uh, jobs. And so until black people have a federal job, until they have a federal job guarantee, and you can just Google this, just Google Coretta Scott King, Federal Job Guarantee. That's what MLK was going for when he died. Um, like, we need jobs. That's the kind of program we need. And uh, that's what I'm fighting for. And that's what I want you advocating for. Uh, there's one congressional ca- at, uh, candidate as we, that we know of running in Georgia on a federal job guarantee. And, and that is like one of his racial, that is his racial justice platform, one of his racial justice platforms. Like, if you give black people federal jobs doing infrastructure work, doing the kind of work that will fix the deferred maintenance in the septic systems all over the, the, the South, and you get them doing it for $20, $25, $30 an hour, that will, one, stop the hookworms from, 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 from eating at black people's feet, and two, uh, get black people jobs 
so that we could grow like our, our civic infrastructure. Like that's 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 a, the quality of reparations that I'm, I'm I'm looking for. So there's one congressional candidate. His name is Richard Winfield, who's actually advocating for a federal jobs guarantee to do these kind of programs, and also um, uh, and hopefully it'll catch on. And Coretta Scott King was also advocating for a federal job guarantee. I'm not against black people working. Actually, I want black people to work. And through working at good jobs, not just working at jobs, working at good jobs, uh, at fair wages, that's how we'll be made whole. So thank you for your time. I, Yvette should be back by Wednesday, but like we're going through a hurricane, so I don't know how planes are watching. You might see me um, again on Wednesday, but I think we'll be doing Breaking Brown the regular time, the regular way. Uh, hopefully the phones will be working. So um, thank you for your time. Peace. I love you guys. Let's get the black politics we deserve. And tell your friends, tweet this out. Later.